Well, here we are. We're welcome our first female to the uh, Life in the Peloton. Yes, long time listener, first time guest. Very right. excited. Bit of a Mitch Docker fan too. <laughs> Not just from the Mo and the Mullet combo. <laughs> but from the potty, from my voice, <laughs> yeah. my smooth voice. Yeah. Welcome, Gracie Elvin. Um, and I want to do a little intro today, but I thought you could also do a little bit of background yourself um, because you're a little bit later into the game. But then when you came in, you sort of hit the ground running and have been on fire ever since. Um, you took, you know, took Australia by storm, two times Australian champ. And over here, I see you as a bit of a, a classics specialist and the race Gwik, Gerolsbergen Gwik, which is, Gerolsbergen is the old last climb of Tour of Flanders, which is an epic cobble climb. And I'm assuming you guys race there and back over yep. the climb. Yeah, we do the Mer once, the famous Chapel Mer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the Bosberg, so it's a hard combo. Hard combo, like a classic, it's practically a classic stage. It's coming up next Wednesday, is it? Is oh, it? no, it's in May. Oh, in us. May, sorry. Yeah, but they do a similar one next week. Next yep. week. Um, and you're two times winner of that. So that, for me, just sort of goes, yeah, right, you're a hard hard classics woman. <laughs> I'd like to think so. I'm getting there. I love the classics and... Um, I've been coming to Belgium for years, actually. The, I met you here mm. um, with the Drapak team. I used to come and visit my now husband. Yes, When you lived in Odenard, yeah. yeah. So I, I have got a soft spot for Belgium and the riding style suits me a lot too. So every year I try and do a bit better and I really want to win one of the big ones. Well, that's where we are. We're here in Belgium. We're in Mella in um, the hotel, the team hotel. And we share that team hotel with the female team of Oregon Scott. And it's the only time of year I think we're together the whole year. I, I don't know. I sort of envisioned that when we had a female team, we would overlap a little bit along the way and, you know, we'd see each other at races. But practically this and nationals, when else do we really overlap? Never. Yeah, really. Maybe at the world championships. But apart mm. from that, I'm the same. Yeah, like I thought we'd cross over more. So I really do enjoy this time of year because it's a really nice atmosphere because you guys are excited for the classics and mm. um, you often do well. And like like Matt's victory last year at Roubaix was bloody awesome for everyone. Like it was yeah. a great buzz, but also all the other races, it's cool. And you're always friendly to us. And mm. yeah, like Orica is renowned for having a good team atmosphere. And so it is nice when you get to cross over a little bit with the men's team. It is like a house here, this hotel. I've always liked it. It's like a little old house. They've made extensions here. But when you have dinner in this one big dining hall, oh, not big, it's quite a small little yeah, dining hall. Crazy, you guys yeah. are there. And it's nice to come back either the night before the race, like, good luck tomorrow. You're like, yeah, good luck in your battle. And then the next day, you're like, oh, how'd you guys go? Yeah. Like, oh, was hell out there got second you know or yeah. one you know <laughs> typically you say um but it is it is a nice little reflection but we, before we move on to that tell me a little bit about the beginning for me um well i guess you've heard that common phrase there's no such thing as an overnight success uh to a lot of people it looked like i hit okay. the ground running in cycling but i've been cycling since i was 12 right and okay i started on the road and i was probably the worst junior cyclist in my age group for a long time. I get dropped on every single climb. I'd often be last, but I just loved it so much. And I just got stronger and stronger and I was super lucky to have some great mentors. My dad was the first. Yep. Um, and just giving me good advice, you know, like 
it's an endurance sport it's going to take time do you want to be a great junior or do you want to hang around and be a super senior like yeah wow so he's just make sure that I finished school and had fun with friends and I was really into horses as well so I had a horse and so I just enjoyed it and got strong slowly and just got a little bit better and a little bit better every year and then uh, I got into mountain biking through some friends and Uh. and then that kind of took me off course from road for a long time and so I was about 17 to maybe 23 I was a mountain biker Mm. and that was actually the perfect way for me to get strong and have some fun get some really good travel experience and uh, get used to the the nerves and the pressure of international racing I think I did 12 or so world cups on the mountain bike and two world championships oh wow i didn't even know that so and i got a podium in the under 23 once in the world cup so that was pretty cool to finally like be like oh i think i can be a good athlete like it wasn't it's not just a dream now it's happening and uh then uh, mountain biking got cut from all funding in uh 20 at the end of 2012 so i did it for another two years self-funded i had some really good personal sponsors but even then it's really expensive and you don't have any team around you Mm. to support you just traveling on your own and totally different game the mountain biking isn't it yeah it's an individual sport too so there's so much self-motivation and you're not there helping anyone else and Mm. no one's helping you and it's just uh yeah i didn't love it as much as i knew i loved the road and Mm. uh end of 2011 i got i managed to uh beg and yeah, managed to get my way into this selection camp in Canberra, which was now the infamous um, boot camp that the AIS ran. Is it? That's how I got my road um, place in the Aussie team and yeah, my cool. AIS scholarship. So to them, I was just some random mountain biker girl and I managed to make it through the whole camp and They're get like, a scholarship oh, out of it. Let's just give her a shot. That'll shut her up. And then she doesn't have to come back at all. And exactly. you're just like, all right, we'll see about yeah. that. Yeah. And um, it's, I don't know if anyone knows about these camps anymore, but it was almost like a survival style camp. Really? So they started with about 20 girls and they kept eliminating them over you're 10 kidding. days. So there was only five of us left at the end. How do they do that? Like, they, just they, like, okay, let's just ride to uh, one they used to, tails. They based it off SAS training in a lot of ways. So they do a thing called silent running. They don't give you any feedback. Oh, my God. We had 20 tasks over 10 days, and that could be lab testing. It would be skills training. It could be Black Mountain reps in Canberra. They were in Canberra. Um, race simulations. We had to go do a, a crit at Canberra as well. We had yeah. to race with the men at the Wednesday crits, and... Um, I didn't test super good in the lab, but that was probably the day I got my scholarship because we raced with B-grade men and I won the whole race. Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was in Canberra. All my friends were there. Even though I was in the middle of this camp, all my friends were there cheering me on. And the, the selectors, the coaches were just like, who is this girl? <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, was... She's supposed to be getting dropped, not winning. <laughs> yeah. So that was good fun. And, yeah, if you do want to know more about that camp, I had a blog on it for that was a long time ago now so you can search through the archives on my website if you're really interested what is your website uh gracielvin.com right oh there (laughs) we go there's a lot of stuff on there if you want to read i'm definitely going to read that blog that sounds awesome i didn't even know about that boot camp yeah they did a few i think i was involved in the second one they ran and maybe they did another one or two after so their their aim was to get girls that were talented but also that were tough because in the past, they were taking super talented girls over to Europe and then they would just crack because they didn't have their support networks there and they didn't know how to eat, pro- eat, pro- eat properly, properly, know how to just 
I don't know, look after themselves properly and it doesn't matter how good you are. If you can't survive over here, you don't have your friends and family to go back to on the weekends or if you've had a bad day. So they wanted to really get it, all of us just super tired by the end of 10 days and see whose personality mm. really came out and what leaders came out of that group. Great. So, That's an awesome camp. Yeah. A lot of people don't like it because it's pretty hard and a lot of girls that get eliminated might get deterred from the sport. But for someone like me, it was the golden ticket. I think you hit the nail on the head there because I did a podcast with Nick Shields about that. It was about, I call it making the jump. And a lot of people underestimate making that jump to Europe for Aussies or Kiwis or South Africans coming to a place without the family and friends and support network. And um, that's actually something I did want to discuss with you. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about the scene, um, the female racing scene in terms of that jump you guys make, you come over here and what is, what is your scene? You know, you come over and you set up, is there a place where you like to set up or is a team set up an accommodation for you or pretty much describe to me what it was like when you first came across or what it is like now still? Yeah. For Aussie women, it's particularly hard because we don't even have that good of a racing scene in Australia. So the level, the gap of just the racing is bloody hard to make that difference. Um, So you've got that whole race jump that you have to make, the the much bigger bunches and just the level is so high. But then, yeah, you you don't have your friends and family and often we're here for more than six months of the year and we don't make hardly any money. Mm. So we can barely keep ourselves here, let alone have our partners or friends and family come to visit us and so that's pretty tough you have to you have to really want it and I've had some European teammates over the years just say their eyes have just been opened to the fact that Aussies are tough and they're really committed because you got to leave everything behind and you got to just love the sport and want to be here and know how to be on your own because you are on your own a lot of the time even if you have some teammates around you or some friends that you've made in the sport it's still different to your usual network at home i would think that and i was in i was imagining that too that that point that you made there you know it's you're not getting heaps of money there and it you really just comes back to the passion then and almost believe that you you have more passion in a way for the sport you know than a lot of the 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 male cyclists do it's You've got to really want it because, like you said, it's hard and you, you're scraping at your fingernails sometimes, but then yeah. when you, it is that self-satisfaction of performing that keeps you in the sport. If you're just in it for, and I even think at the top level, the guy's getting paid really big money. If you're in it just for the money, it comes a point where you're just not going to perform for that. Yeah. And I think... Um, you can't perform if you're not happy. So No. I do know a lot of riders, a lot of women that have just decided it's not for them anymore, like... They might have loved the racing, but it, it's everything else too. It's the training day in, day out and mm. not being social, not going out to dinner all the time because your friends aren't here and not seeing your parents and your brothers and sisters. And, yeah, it's, it's everything just adds up. What do your friends think back home that you're, you're doing this? They think you're crazy or they look up to you and go, you know, that's the dream that you're living over uh, there? A lot of my friends are cyclists. So um, I come from Canberra and it's mm. great cycling community there. So a lot of my close friends I've made through that community. So that's great in a way because they always remind me how cool it is and how much they would like to do it as well. So um, I don't have 
that many non-cycling friends anymore now that I've yeah. been out of school Happens for so long. So um, it is nice to have people just go, oh, that's that's so cool. Like you're doing great. And I, I do try and keep in contact with them too because when I do go home after the season, if I haven't talked to them for months and it's hard to break back into that circle. So You start eliminating your friends and next thing you know, you're like, well, I've only got three mates left. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I do try and use social media to... The, the best power I can and keep in contact with my friends like that so. yeah. but um, I'm very lucky to be in Orica because yeah. it is predominantly Aussies yeah that's true so we have a, um, a great setup in northern Italy where the AIS has got headquarters is that where you live? yeah so I've lived up in that part of Italy for five years now or cool. so and I, I've actually lived on my own in the same area for two and a half years, but I'm currently back where the, all the girls stay in the apartments okay. provided by the, um, the team. So the team rents a few apartments and uh, we all just share. So usually it's two girls per apartment. Oh, yeah. How's that go? Yeah, good. Yeah, nice. It's really – it's a lovely group of girls. Like um, over the years, it, it's changed a lot. I think it's just Spratty and I now left from mm. the original – group she's the one that's been in the team the longest since 2012 i've started in 2013 and the rest of the girls have changed a lot but um, so are you and amanda spread the now the original well, amanda's the original yeah original. pretty much yeah yeah I cool so. don't think i'm missing anyone yeah. <laughs> um yeah so it's good like the team always endeavors to choose riders to um fit in with the team ethos and to have their personality fit in so within our group that live in Italy it's probably half the team that lives there we all get along really well and we all know each other well enough now to say oh look I just need a day to myself or and everyone respects that yeah like no no bad feelings if you ever say that or like we go on group rides for long rides and then we train alone if we have specific efforts or no one really goes oh they're not even really training with us what's what's wrong with her no everyone's like cool she just doesn't want to come. Yeah, no. it's all good usually. So. Yeah, I could. You can't live in each other's pockets. I know. I was just about to say, I, after being up here for three weeks with all the boys, love all the guys, but it's like need some air. Yeah. So it is, it is important to address that and just yeah. go, God, well, girls, when we need air, just don't yeah. take offence from it because no. it's nothing to do with you. I just some need... people need it more than others. Like I love being on my own. Mm. Sometimes it's. And I like being on my own too much. So being social is good for me. So you just need to know yourself and know what you need. And sometimes I'm like, no, I just actually need a day to myself. I don't want to talk to anyone. It's Mm. not because I'm annoyed at them. It's just because, you know, your your glass is pretty empty. Yeah. You need to fill it back up again. Yeah, that's true. And other people need social um, interaction to fill their glass up. So you have to just know what kind of person you are. Mm. Well, tell me about... How the season goes, um, you know, where are, the, where are the peaks and what are the big big races throughout the season? How does, well, not specifically your season, but how does a, the season roll in the female scene? Um, well, for the Aussies, we have that Aussie season through January. Um, that's pretty hectic sometimes. Yeah. I've been lucky. I've taken a step back the last couple of years and I don't do everything. I don't go to Tour Down Under too much or... Sometimes I try not to target nationals, even though I want to win it again one day. Um, Because otherwise, for us, it just goes on and on because we don't have 
a huge amount of riders like mm-hmm. the men's teams do. We have 10 riders instead of 30. Yeah, so we're not right. running double or triple rosters all the time. So you're pretty much racing all season. You don't have big gaps. And there's always going to be someone injured or, you know, not quite in form. So you're pretty tight with just 10. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. if you lose one girl for an injury and another girl for sickness, it starts dropping off really quickly. And especially if the co- the, the DS has um, made sure that everyone's race plan's perfect, one thing is gets thrown out and the whole thing comes undone pretty quickly. Yeah, it so does. Your preparation race, suddenly you're like, well, now I've done three races in a row. Yeah, yeah. so it is a bit tricky sometimes, but... Overall, everyone does a pretty good job, and um, the, our director, Jean Bates, does a good job with that. And so if the, the main goals for the team is probably, I guess, in three phases, almost mm-hmm. like the men. So we have the classics yep. um, starting late February going until late April. And um, a lot of those races are now similar to men's, which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's good, actually. So we have a lot of the semi-classics that we're doing right now. Yep. Uh, we've got Flanders. But you're missing Roubaix. I know. That's the one race I would kill to do in my career. I don't get that. So I love the cobbled races, and I'm really hoping that they pull that in before I retire. Have you have you done some of the Roubaix sectors? No, I've heard they're pretty gnarly. Though. You haven't gone down and even ridden some? I've ridden the track at oh, Roubaix. Right, yeah. I rode down there one day for a Nice well, maybe day. make that decision before you no, the yeah. la- I want to do Roubaix. you got to test them out because they are know. pretty gnarly. I think... The, the rider in me that just loves all of the, the bad weather and the cobbles mm. and the wind. And I think I'd probably dislike yeah, it once like I was it. on the cobbles. But I think overall, I think just the history of it, it just totally gets me. I really mm. want to. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah. yeah. So maybe one day if they ran it, like if we started maybe halfway along the course or something. Yeah. I think it's doable. Well, even like some... Like the way the route goes, you can actually miss a couple sectors on the way too. Yeah. You know, we deviate off and do some. Or yeah. I reckon you guys be able to handle all of them anyway. I think so. It's only 50k yeah. of sectors. No worries. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. I don't know exactly. what you guys are complaining about. I know. <laughs> probably, probably the 100k before. That's hell. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would love to do it. So we'll see. But they've bought in um, a women's Amstel Gold and Liège, oh, cool. Bastogne Liège. So do you do those? Yeah. Really? I do those this year. So I'm pretty excited about hey, oh, that. You haven't done Liège yet? No. This is the first year? This is the first year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Liège will be hell. Yeah, it's the Ardennes are a bit different to Flanders, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon Amstel you'll you'll like. Yeah. I, I did Amstel once. I didn't love it, but I could yeah. just do it. We've done similar races in Holland to that, so I know what the course is, mm. and it is pretty hilly. Yeah, the steep, <laughs> steep short ones. Yeah, yeah. but no, nah, I'm in good form, so I'm still looking forward to it. Yeah, and then nice. I'm going after the classics. That's when our tours start, so we don't have any long, long tours. The the Giro for us is the biggest tour. Mm, the pinnacle, so we is call it? that the Giro Rosa. Yeah, right, nice. <laughs> and that's run usually the same week as the first week of the men's Tour de France. Oh yeah. So we don't get any Jeez. media coverage because <laughs> they're all at the tour. <laughs> and it'd be hot as in Italy <laughs> it's then. So hot. I've done it. I've only done it twice. And both times I just got so cooked. It was 40 degrees and I just have my feet in whatever I could find. Sometimes I'd go to the kitchen of the hotel we'd stay and get a big pot and just put cold water in it just so I could sit my feet in cold water because there was no baths or anything. Like, I know. Oh, it's but late. it's good memories. Do you want to do that again? Um, look, it's, it's a bit like one of those races. It's got a lot of history and it's a lot of hype around it, but ultimately it doesn't suit me that well. Mm. I'm not, I 
I'm never going to finish in the top of the GC because of so the long just, climbs. Yeah, and just... I could go for stage wins, but it's in a time of year where I could actually go and work on um, my form and go do an altitude block or something, and, and then I could pick the tours that do suit me mm. that later on. One-week like tours. One-week tours, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's one in Germany that I love in touring in. So oh, yeah, yeah, I've right. done well there before. And, yeah, so I usually end up doing that instead. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I can see that now. It's like, look... I've done it. I've experienced it two times. I don't need to just do it for the experience anymore. Let's get real about trying to get some big results. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, now your team, the whole um, entourage in terms of Oracle Scott team, I've noticed because we're here with the both teams together. You know, we've got this excess amount of guys helping us, and um, actually sometimes it feels like we've got so many people helping. But I've noticed you've got a bit more of a a smaller team around you to support the girls. But I don't necessarily think that is a, a worse thing because I, I get the feeling from the way you guys are at the dinner table and the way the staff are too, it has a little bit more of a family feel. Yeah. Um, and like you were just saying then, there's only 10 girls. So more or less every race, it's the same team. Whereas sometimes I meet a guy at the training camp and I will be like, cool, see you next training camp, mate. And because we don't live in the same town, during the year, we probably won't see each other the whole year, which is a weird sort of thing. And we're teammates and I don't really know you. So that's one thing I do envy about, Mm. you know, the women's team there is that you guys get that really good, close family feel and between the staff and the riders, it's, is that, is that accurate? Definitely. For us, it's weird for you guys that you don't know your teammates because we know each other so well. Um, like half of us live together for the year and the rest we see every other weekend at the races. So we all know each other super well and we're always at meals together and the, the same with the staff. So we usually only have one swan year at the race, one mechanic and one director. Yeah. Sometimes for a tour, you might get two mechanics and two swan years, but yeah, it's that small. Um, In comparison to us, we'll have two directors, you know, minimum three possibly four saunières a bus driver and then you have uh three or three mechanics you know it's just sort of that yeah. extra people there you just don't get a chance to meet everyone properly yeah. well you do but you know what i mean yeah oh it's it is nice and because we're most of us are australian we make that extra effort to mm-hmm. be nice to each other and not be too annoying because we're in each other's pockets all the time and um we have heaps of in-jokes and, I don't know, it's just a really nice atmosphere. Everyone puts their best foot forward and and gives each other space when they need it, like I was saying before. But then, I don't know, we just get along really well and, um, I don't know, by the end of the season we're talking about the worst stuff because we can't think of anything else to talk about. And when we've been in this bubble for ages, we haven't seen a non-cycling person for months. And, and you more or less know what everyone's done. It's like, well, what did you do yesterday? Like, well, I was with you all day. You're like, yeah. well, I mean, in that five minutes you weren't. Yeah. yeah, so it feels like the smallest thing of gossip, it just gets eaten up, which is sometimes bad. <laughs> but um, in general, it's really nice. Yeah, nice. You are like family. I do have a family-orientated question for you, actually. Um, now, I've just had a little baby. Well, not me specifically. Oh, my My wife has. <laughs> And, um, I was thinking about this, you know, I'm lucky enough that little Marlo was born and I was there in Australia for two weeks with him. I flew over to Europe and a week later I was racing Paris. And it didn't really, 
didn't have a second thought about it. And then mm. I was about to do interview you here and I was like, yeah, right. That's not really an option, you no. know, for, <laughs> for the, for the girls. It's like, if, if they want to make that decision, um, it can be a career changing decision, um, or, you know, a, a, a pause in your, in your career. Is that something that you think about or you just haven't thought about or yeah, or something I, that the girls do think about or talk about? It does about? get discussed. Um, like the age range in our team is pretty big. We've got 20-year-olds and we've got 34-year-olds. Um, so we've got um, a lot of different stages of, of careers here. But for me, I'm 28. I got married a year and a half ago. So definitely starting to think about that stuff now but I've also got quite a lot left in me um, physically and I probably haven't even hit my peak yet on the bike so yeah it's a it's constantly a juggling act of what do I want um, how much money am am I making like can I afford to do this for much longer when do I want kids do I want to what do I want to achieve before I retire Um, and also because I can't have Stu here um, how much longer can I do this to him? Long distance Yeah, like it's hard on him yeah. too. So that is definitely on my shoulders as well because um, it's a sacrifice to him too. Like mm. he's definitely not pushing me to come home. He's one of the most supportive people, but it's still hard on him. And, um, yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. And to- it's, uh, you can't really miss too much. Like I couldn't just have, couldn't just pop them out and come back. Well, that's what I'm thinking is, do any girls do that? Do it's they possible. take a year off and have, have kids and then you see them back in the peloton? You're like, um, wow, you amazing. You don't see it that much yeah. though. I haven't seen it a lot. I know it's possible. Um, but I think if you, if you're missing more than a season, you're definitely going to start falling behind. So yeah, I don't know. For me, I wouldn't see it as an option, but for other people it is. So Hmm, interesting yeah i just had i had only because i recently had little guy that i was like wow that's something i've never even considered before and having a little baby definitely opens your eyes up to a lot of new questions (laughs) that was one of them something i'd never thought before yeah um all right well i don't want to get too um too deep today just because we're both racing tomorrow so we're sort of about to get our massages and things later on um seeing as we're in the period of good races I'm going to ask a simple question. What is your favourite race? Well, because there's no Roubaix, (laughs) um, I would have to say Flanders. Uh, The Tour of Flanders is so iconic and um, I've been lucky enough to do it uh, four times now. Mm -hmm. And the first time I did it, I just had goosebumps. And because we race on the same day as the men, the crowds are just insane. So good, aren't they? I'm probably wrong, but I've heard somewhere they get on a nice day. They get a million people out there. I've heard that too, yeah. And for a women's race to have that many people there cheering and drinking beer and having barbecues and going crazy, it's just like a grand final weekend. Mm. But also just the history of it. I love the roads. I love there's been racing on these roads for so long and um, it suits me. Like it is very hilly, but I think it's just on that tail end that I can manage it. Mm. Um, And I've gotten better every year. Last year I was 11th. And I was kicking myself that I wasn't in the front group. Like, it was only just a few places off and I knew I should have been there. So, it's such a cool feeling to be at the pointy end of a race like that. Mm. And this year, I really, really want to have a crack and be there in the front and be there to go for the win. So. What What do you like and what do you hate about finals in terms of the climbs? What, do you like the Quaramont or do you like... Uh, do you go up the Koppenberg? 
We don't do the Koppenberg. Thank God yeah. you don't do that. That's a blessing. That's hell. That's pretty nasty, that one. Um, actually, the first year that I came to visit Stu, he took the, that was the first ride he took me on. He said, Of course he did. The yeah. cobbles aren't so romantic now, are they? <laughs> That's what he said to You're me. Like, yeah, I'm walking up here. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, the, probably the climb that puts me off the most is the old Quermont. Yeah. Because it's the second last climb and it's pretty hard and your legs are Pretty just, hard? It's hell. It's very hard. Yeah. But your legs are really heavy. Yeah. And you just... Um, you could be riding really good position, but it might be one position not good enough. Someone gets in your if way and they block drops, you. Yeah, yeah, you could be stuffed even if you're in 10th or 15th wheel. Like if someone drops the wheel in front of you, you can't come around. No, you can't. And that's the race. So um, for me, that's my goal this year is to not um, not talk myself out of that section. First in the Quaramont and then yeah. drift back if you need to. Exactly. And then the Paderberg's just awesome because there's so many people there going crazy Nuts. and they're just cheering and it's the last climb and did you, you do it the other day barbecues <laughs> did you do it on wednesday Parsberg? yeah we did yeah, yeah yeah so we get to do it a few times in the racing so it's good to get a feel back for it and mm. yeah yeah nice um who's your favorite rider or inspiration doesn't necessarily need to be a pro or it could be just yeah you said your father was a big inspiration early on yeah that's a good question um could just be a cool rider like a chippo you know <laughs> yeah I don't know. I'm always just a fan of people that just, uh, they're not afraid. Mm. Like, I don't know. I, I loved Heyman's win last year at, in Roubaix because he just lost the fear mm. and he just, he had a great day, but he just kind of got in that zone and he'd worked for so long. Like, yeah. how many seasons? Like 18, 18 seasons. Yeah, something like that. And it was a dream of his for so long and he just kept, persisting and like I'm not going to say he's my favorite rider but he's definitely on the list because of just the way he's carried himself and to get to that victory um so inspirational I even sorry to interrupt I know myself it was inspirational to yeah to bring that belief back into my own career that yeah like it can be done I'm sure it affected you it definitely affected me I thought well I can do that too Mm. like I'm the I'm not the same kind of rider, but I've got the same kind of mentality. Like mm. you just got to keep knocking on that wall and knocking on the door and one day it'll open. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I find that really inspiring. And, um, apart from that, just people that are, yeah, just brave and generous, I think. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. This is just an easy one. Favorite drink. Could be, uh, coffee could uh, be alcoholic um, big coffee lover i think yeah, yeah i love a good coffee so uh, i love staying up here we're near ghent and i love going into ghent it's got some great cafes we often go to or coffee oh yeah yeah it's good there did you go to the new one at at um doc nord no i've seen it on the map i've got to go there, there. that's good? awesome yeah. yeah okay i'll give it a try <laughs> and um i guess what the coffee scene's not too bad in canberra though it's picking up it's very good yeah canberra's like a little gem little secret australian gem i don't know i'm not going to talk it up too much we don't want too many people there <laughs> muddying up the waters <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, that's right you better not the, the cafe and restaurant scenes improved a lot in the last five years it's pretty cool there now will you live in canberra after you retire uh, probably, but I'm really open to anything. I think as long as you have good opportunities and you're following passion, doesn't matter where you live. In Australia, though, you reckon? 
Yeah, I think I'll always gravitate back to Australia. Mm. Be fun to live overseas, but we've done it so much already now. Yeah. You don't have that bug to do it, so. Stewie's back there waiting anyway. Yeah, poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, cool. Great. Thanks, Gracie. Cool. Thanks.